What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. On today's podcast, we continue our conversation with Mike Rothstein, the ESPN reporter for the Atlanta Falcons. We talk about a wide range of topics in this one, uh, the Falcons rookie class, Calvin Ridley, Grady Jarrett and what they could do with him, and of course, Matt Ryan. Uh, so enjoy this one, guys. Appreciate you listening in. Part of that is going to be the rookies, the guys they draft to yeah. help rebuild this program. So real quick, Falcons had several. They had several that played, um, whether, as you mentioned, whether that was the intention or not. Um, so let's start at the top. Your thoughts on yeah. Kyle Pitts and his, his rookie season. I thought he had a fantastic rookie year. Uh, I think the only reason he's not getting the attention for it is because he didn't get in the end zone. Because that's the one area of his game this year that – he has some drops early. He has some issues with drops early on, at least mm-hmm. what I call drops. Uh, but other than not getting into the end zone, which is not entirely his fault, because again, you look at the options that they had, and a team is going to double Kyle Pitts in the end zone, in the red zone. Oh, yeah. You know, so I, the opportunities are going to not be there necessarily. But I look at it, and other than that, I mean, he had one of the best seasons ever for a rookie tight end, and. Take the 17 games out of it because realistically, yeah, he played on Sunday against New Orleans, but he was banged up. He was playing on a on a bum wheel. Like everyone saw that. Everyone understood it. Arthur Smith basically admitted it, even though Kyle Pitts, when I asked him about it on Monday, was like, that's a weird question. And I'm like, well, no, I mean, your head coach said that you were playing, gutting it out. Like, and it was clear that you were. But also, look at that. He wanted to play. He didn't have to play. Now, I'm, you know, I'm sure some of that was like, hey, I want to try and get that record. But, I mean, he's the second tight end ever to go over 1,000 yards receiving. In, in NFL history. Right. In, in NFL and, history. And that's, and that's including some, obviously, massive names, and none of them did that. And, mm-hmm. and, real, and he did it realistically in 16 games. Mm-hmm. So he did it in, a, in, in the old 16-game season because he already was over 1,000 by the time they played the Saints on Sunday. Mm-hmm. He has a, what was it? What did he end up finishing? I think third. The, I, think he, I think he got to third. The third most catches for a tight end. It might have been fourth. It was it third or right. fourth in, yeah. in NFL history uh, for a rookie tight end. He set franchise records for rookie receiving yards. That's better than Julio, better than Calvin, better than a whole bunch of other guys who have come through here. Mm-hmm. Roddy White. And he set the single-season receiving record for a tight end. And that's including guys like Junior Miller, guys like Tony Gonzalez, guys like Austin Hooper. He did that as a rookie. A rookie. And again, he did some of that in 15 games. Yeah. (laughs) Because he did some of it. He he, he broke the the franchise, at least one of the franchise marks against the Lions. Mm -hmm. So, I'm sorry. Like... He had a great year and I'm really curious to see what this looks like going forward for him because I think he can get stronger. I think he can get a little bigger. He can be better as a blocker. And I think once he has more weapons around him and players around him, like he can be devastating because let's just for argument's sake, Calvin, let's just for argument's sake, Calvin, we don't know what's going to happen with Calvin. Let's for argument's sake, Calvin Ridley comes back and they re-sign Russell Gage. Where Russell Gage can can kind of fill in that number two role, and you kind of have seen like he can produce 
Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, I mean, where Gage now is the third option in this offense, that's a good third option to me. And maybe mm-hmm. fourth, depending on what the running back situation looks like. Right. Kyle Pitts is going to not be able to be doubled as he was. It's not, not going to happen. Nowhere near to the same extent. Right. So that can open things up for him. I've, I've said it uh, on multiple shows that I've been on. I think by the middle of next season, Kyle Pitts is a top t- three tight end in the NFL. Not the beginning of the year because, I mean, Kittle and Kelsey and Hawkinson and Ertz, and I'm forgetting people right now, and I know that. Uh, I know I'm forgetting one big guy for sure. But, yeah, I mean, again, they're, they're just – there's a lot of talent at that position now, right? Waller, but, Darren Waller, yeah. Yeah, Darren Waller is another one. Like, so you look at all those guys, but, like, he's right there. Yeah, he's right. Mark Andrews is the guy I'm forgetting. Andrews, Andrews absolutely. Yeah. Mark Andrews, who might be the best tight end of the NFL that no one talks about. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no kidding. I think they don't. I mean, everyone talks about Kittle and Kelsey, but I mean, Mark Andrews just puts up massive numbers. So, yeah, I mean, he's in that conversation to me probably by the middle of next season, if not at the beginning of next season. Yeah, like that's how good he is. So, yeah, I, I, I would, if, if to me. If Kyle Pitts stays healthy, like if he stays healthy to me, I th- and, you know, I'm sure the, the people in the Falcons will get annoyed that I say this, but if he stays healthy, I think his career ends with a bust in Canada. I mean, I think everything we've seen from him this year says if that trajectory continues, or heck, even if his current pace continues with a few more touchdowns, mm-hmm. he's there. But you say he plays 10 years if he has – 10 a thousand yard seasons cool like you might be first ballot i mean like seriously like that's that's how good he can be so yeah, yeah i think it was a really good year and i mean arthur smith said it uh i think it was like week 14 or so I forget if i asked it or tori asked it uh like that hey, like you feel like people are not really paying attention to this because of the high expectations that were there and arthur smith said yeah like there was so much hype around him that people aren't realizing how good he's been yeah and and i agree with that yeah and i was i was part of that as well for for a while because there was a stretch where he struggled but he's a rookie and, and he's gonna be inconsistent but at the end of the day still produced a heck of a lot oh yeah um uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt and like you said more than any Falcons receiver ever had in their rookie season before him. And the Falcons have had some good receivers, to be clear. Like Leo Jones is probably going to the Hall of Fame. Roddy White was a phenomenal receiver when he was here. Uh, Oh, yeah. Roddy White's in the Hall of Very Good. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, it's... I feel like fantasy football taints some of that for the touchdowns. Well, but, it's um, to me, it's the only. It's funny. I talked to a friend of mine who works in the fantasy space, and and they they were talking to me about Kyle Pitts, and I'm like, yeah, you're looking at it from a fantasy point of view, and the problem with that, and it's not a problem, but the one criticism you can have of Kyle Pitts legitimately is he didn't get in the end zone, and for fantasy, that is a huge fact, right? Huge, and that and that's just a variant. I, I, if he has another season with one touchdown, I'll be floored. Yeah, I don't see yeah, let me rephrase again. that. If he gets through another 16 or 17 game season with one touchdown, I'll be floored. Like yeah. while he's still ascending or in his prime. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm, I'm with you. All right. Um, second rounder, Richie Grant. Uh, I, I want to preface this by saying this guy, in my mind, from what I've heard from Falcons, I don't know if you've heard the same thing, but uh, I think similarly, there was a lot of hype for a second round pick that they were thinking he was going to come in start immediately. Um, and then when he did not get on the field, people started freaking out um, where I think it, it may have been like the first five or six games where he only had, if he had any snaps at all, it was on special teams. Um, yeah. And I actually, I felt like he, he finished the year relatively strong. He didn't play a ton of snaps um, and he was sort of playing out of position, as you mentioned, filling, you know, in that rotational role for uh, Isaiah Oliver, Isaiah Oliver being out, pardon me. Um, but what, what, what do you think about it? Did you hear the same sort of things about Richie Grant? I mean, from fans, yeah, uh, but I would counter with he was not supposed to play this year. <laughs> he wasn't. I, I mean, I think at, at least while they were in contention for something, 
So realistically, he was not going to play this year because of how late they were in contention. They signed Eric Harris and they signed Deron Harmon to be their starting safeties. Now, if Richie Grant or Jalen Hawkins had unseated one of them, that would have been great for them. And Jalen Hawkins was close. It was clear he was close at one point because as much as they wanted to say, oh, we wanted to get some work in for Jalen Hawkins, and I've seen that before, but usually that's because you're at least thinking that maybe at, one, at some point in the year you're going to move on. From, you're Not move on, but you're going to flip one of those guys, whether it be Harris or Harmon. And, and earlier in the year it seemed like it was going to be maybe Harmon because he was taking Harmon's place for a couple of series. Mm-hmm. But – Richie Grant, I mean, he was never – like, you knew it. He was the fourth safety from the jump. Once you saw Jalen Hawkins in training camp making play after play after play, he was the fourth safety from the jump. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who you figured would be their starter next year, and I still yeah. think that that's a possibility. But, no, I, I had no problem with it. I mean – would you have liked if you were the Falcons to maybe see Richie Grant become your starting safety when Eric Harris goes out for the year? Sure. But you also don't mind that it's Jalen Hawkins because Jalen Hawkins is probably going to be your start, one of your starting safeties next year. Mm-hmm. Like you have to look at it from a long-term plan. And at that point, they'd also move Richie Grant to nickel. And, and listen, they didn't, they kind of bounced back and forth with Richie Grant playing nickel. And that was very matchup dependent because, and Dean Pisa said it, like he got put in a bind because he, they became more predictable on defense without Isaiah Oliver because he would have different guys go in for certain matchups, which meant different things, whereas Isaiah Oliver could do all of that. So, no, I, I mean, Richie Grant's season was maybe a little bit worse than what I thought it would be, but not by much, like, at all. And, you know, I, I think he's one of the – handful of guys that has to have a massive offseason because I think there could be, you yeah. know, we'll see what happens in free agency in the draft, but there could be a ton expected of him next year mm-hmm. and he needs to be ready for that. And considering part of what Dean Pease said was that it was taking him a while to learn some stuff. You would hope that this offseason he's really dug in and, and he had good mentors in Harmon and Harris to do that. But that to me, that to me is where I stand on Richie Kirk. Okay. Um, again, don't think this guy was intended to start uh, injury in week one before they could even get to the game, uh, put Jalen Mayfield into the starting lineup. Um, I, I mean, I, I think you can make the case that Mayfield was clearly the weakest link on this offensive line. Um, but to be fair, yeah, I mean, hit between him and McGarry. Uh, well, you know what? Hennessy wasn't uh, fantastic either. <laughs> well, no, I mean, they, they, had, they had some major offensive line problems. Yeah. Um, to be fair to Mayfield, he had never played the position before, not even in college. And he had spent yeah. his entire career playing right tackle uh, and was thrust into that left guard spot um, really uh, at the last minute because that it looked like Andrews was going to be the starter there until he went down with the injury. So what are your thoughts on Mayfield? Um, I, I know you mentioned it on your podcast, but um. yeah, it was, he had a rough year. I mean, like there's no doubt about that. I thought he got better he, pass blocking pass pro is going to be something he really needs to work on in the off season. Mm-hmm. In, in my opinion, like that, I thought he made really good strides as a run blocker. Yes. Really good strides as a run blocker, but penalties and pass pro were problems. And that's going to be an area of focus. If I'm the Falcons, I'm bringing in competition. But I would think that their hope is that he will make a good jump from his first year or second year and can lock that job down. Mm-hmm. Because I think the, the kid has talent. He just he has a lot of talent. He just needs to be able to be willing to work for it. And if, he, if he's willing to do that, I think there's there's some real potential there. And, and maybe they have a couple of good guards, right? But because Chris Lindstrom had a fantastic year and nobody's talking about it because he was on a bad line. Like he just did. I mean, dude didn't allow a sack. Like he was, he should have been a Pro Bowler, mm-hmm. uh, I think. And maybe he ends up getting there, but probably not because I don't even think he was an alternate. Like, and that's just because of the badness of the line as a whole. So you know, a lot of times that gets overlooked, right? Yeah. But you look at it, and yeah, Jalen Mayfield, he's got a lot to improve on. But I think that there's there there should be some hope there because of how he run blocked. But you need more from him as a pat. He can't. You mm-hmm. can't put him out there next year 
uh, with that level of pass protection. If you yeah. see that in training camp, you have you if you're Terry Fontenot, you're bringing in a veteran guard to to compete and and a real vet to compete. Like not, you know, I mean Josh Andrews is fine, but I, I think you bring in a guy a little bit better than Josh Andrews to really yeah. push, or you bring in a guy with some guard center flexibility. Mm. To so that way, because then that player can theorize who, who's a vet who's played both positions. Like a great example to me, although he would be a starter, I think a, a lock in starter, and he's on a big contract already, so it's not going to happen. But a guy like a Graham Glasgow, who's in mm. Denver now, who was yep. in Detroit, who has played a lot of guard and center, uh, and bounced between those positions and was good at both. Like you, you would ideally love to be able to sign a guy like that if you're the Falcons. And then say, okay, this guy will probably win one of these two jobs. And if he wins neither of these two jobs, then that means that your young guys have been fantastic. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's that to me, if I'm the Falcons, that's one area I'm looking at. And, and I'm going to just jump ahead here uh, to Drew Dahlman because that's the next guy. And that guy's just, I mean, you say, I'm saying that because. Maybe the, the Falcons probably hope that either at one or both of those positions, maybe Drew Dahlman is the competition there. Yeah. But we have seen nothing from Drew Dahlman. I can't tell you a thing. Yeah, so exactly. we'll just, I'm just bringing him up so we can move on past him. Because like, there's no, <laughs> no, no, just because there's nothing to say. Like yeah. he played very, he played, he was put in a weird spot when they clearly weren't happy with what Hennessy was doing. He came in, he had two really bad play, he had, he had two really bad snaps. Uh, on in a game that was a rough game overall because of you know that was the Cal- if I remember correctly that was the Carolina game where Calvin Ridley you know where everything happened with Calvin Ridley so that was just you you had problems everywhere mm-hmm. and yeah I mean like that's just awful and, and that's not yeah. a, that's again not Drew Dahlman's fault Drew Dahlman could end up being a starter for them next year but I mean it just. That was just what what had happened. Um, no, sorry, I take that back. It was the he played a little bit in the Dallas game, but it was the Jacksonville and Tampa games that they were doing the rotation, not yes. the Carolina. Sorry about that. Um, the crazy I, rotation, and I don't think yeah, I've that, seen that. But, but notice that lasted all of one game. Yeah, yeah, so, they killed it fast. Yeah, although I and I think a lot of people said with Drew Dahlman that he needs to put some weight on before he's ready to be a consistent starter uh, at the NFL level. And that's what the off season is for, for these rookies. And that's the thing when you, especially when you get to day three picks and, and sometimes day two picks, but definitely day three picks. Um, then you like some of these guys are guys that aren't expected to play in year one like that. And, and we're going to get to some of those guys I'm assuming now. So Welcome. Yeah. Um, Darren Hall. Uh, I'll just say it. I was surprised by him. Uh, I had zero expectations. Um, and he sort of was only getting snaps again because of injuries and then people going on the COVID list uh, towards the end of the season. What'd you think of uh, the fourth round uh, draft pick at corner? I thought it, he showed some promise. Uh, I really would be curious to see what he looks like after next year. I mm-hmm. mean, listen, if you're the Falcons, you can't count. To me, if you're the Falcons, you hope he can win that job across from AJ Terrell. You can't count on it. You got to bring in a vet, or yeah. if you want to really double down at corner, draft a, high, a corner high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would. I mean, I guess they could bring back Fabian Moreau. I guess. I mean, Fabian Moreau is an average NFL corner, but maybe you can try and do better if that's an area where you really feel you need to, because you have to make decisions. You know, I, I mean, I, that's a, that's the thing where maybe you bring back Isaiah Oliver and then, I mean, maybe you bring back both of those guys Yeah. with the understanding like, okay, well, I, I don't know. I don't know what you do there because I think if you're the Falcons, you want Darren Hall to win that outside corner job. You want him to, because that's, that would be majorly helpful for you, but you won't know that until after free agency. So We'll see what happens. And I think free agency will tell us a lot with with him and with maybe some other rookies as well, where they really view them. But to me, I think Darren Hall's a guy that can compete for next year. I, I liked some of what I saw from him. I thought he was very active, but he looked exactly like what a rookie corner is going to look like. There was some yeah. good and there was some really bad. Yeah. 
Yeah. A uh, few more names left on the rookie list. I want to be mindful of your time. Do you have time? Are you good? I have a little bit of time, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't have a lot to say about this guy. He got a lot of snaps uh, during the season. <laughs> I already know what you're going to say. But I mean, I, have no, I, I Yeah, I, I thought he looked at, more active toward the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's another guy that, you know, it, it was tough to, to figure him out because he's on such a bad defensive front. Yeah. And no, it's true. I mean, absolutely. Like right now, I mean, you look at that defensive front and, and who do you think is going to be back next year for sure? Maybe Marlon. I mean, Grady, maybe. Grady. I, I mean, I, and I say maybe only because I'm with you. I'm with you. If, if you get the right offer for Grady or if Grady's like, hey, listen, like, I'm not going to sign an extension. Then, then if you're the Falcons, I think you start looking at that. And I, and I don't know whether Grady's going to say that or not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's going to be an interesting question, I think, for the next few months. One that no one's really talking about yet, but will be yeah. one to watch. Because, again, Grady's a huge cap number that, uh, you know, if he's definitely not going to be there and you want to have to start constructing your defense differently, then, then maybe you look at that. But other than that, maybe they bring back – I mean, they probably bring back Marlon Davidson next year just because he's on a rookie deal. He showed flashes, but he can't stay healthy. Like, you know, he's – Tyler Davidson, to me, is is very similar to Mike Davis where you can save some money by moving on there. And and it looked like Anthony Rush supplanted him towards the back half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, Tyler Davidson, even though some of it had to do with COVID too. But, yeah, so he – I mean, Tyler Davidson was not doing much. Yeah. by the second half of the season. And Anthony Rush is a guy that, yeah, I mean, like you said, supplanted him a little bit. Jonathan Bullard was on a one-year deal. And, uh, I mean, he's to me, he's just a guy where, like, if you want to bring him back at the vet men, fine. If you don't want to bring him back, fine. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, be, like, that's the thing is you just need to make that decision there. It, you know, something interesting that Terry said to, today was that when I asked him about bigger ticket free agents – he had mentioned that, like, you know, ideally they'd love to keep their own, be, keep their own guys because they already know what they can do in the system. Now, that's positively and negatively, of course, and, and that's mm-hmm. what you weigh. Uh, and I, I'm guessing we'll probably get to this before I, I peace out here, but, like, that's that's going to be an interesting conversation. So, yeah, I just can't say much about Take One Graham because I think that there's just a lot of still question marks there. He was a guy, but he clearly started getting more snaps and more experience. And, again, Day three guy, I don't think a lot should have been expected of him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another day three guy. Uh, you've talked about him a lot. Uh, Aditi Kumbo Ogundeji. Uh, and actually, yeah, I just go not day. just you, yeah. the, the, the staff yeah. has talked about him a lot. Oh, yeah. He's, to me, he's the only guaranteed. I know I talked about it, I think, earlier on the show. He's the only guaranteed uh, outside linebacker to be on this team next year. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I think he has tremendous potential. I love his body length. I love his body type. I think there's a lot of room to grow. I, I think he, he showed real promise. I've used that word a couple of times, but mm-hmm. understand how his college career went, where it took a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you, you know, you know, people criticize Stephen Means. They criticize, to a lesser extent, Brandon Copeland, right? And, and Dante Fowler. And I have I, I criticized Dante Fowler a lot. What's happening is Ade Ogundeji is learning how to be a pro from these guys. And all yeah. three of those guys, two different levels, are consummate pros. I mean, I've been around Copeland a few different places. And, I mean, you don't get a guy who's more of a pro than him. And, and mm-hmm. I think you could say the same thing about Stephen Means. And Dante Fowler, if, he can t- if you can even learn by osmosis some of what he's done on the field, like he has all the talent and the athleticism. It just never seems to really come together. It just hasn't seemed to come together in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that there's a lot of potential there. I remember I was talking to the outside linebackers coach, Ted Modicchino, and he had mentioned that at some point, they probably shouldn't say this now because it's going to be in a story in a couple of weeks, but at some point they envision him being kind of the bell cow of that group. Mm-hmm. And for him to say that about a, a day three pick midway, he said that in the middle of the season. Like midway through his rookie year, I mean that tells you I think what the staff really believes in him. Yeah, because that's I mean that's putting something on the guy, and, and and you can see it, and you can see the confidence in him a little bit. Like I, I'm hesitant to say this, but I think he has the potential, if everything goes right, for to become a, a 
really dominant force. I don't know if he has it to be a pass rusher, but at the very least, a very high-level run stopper. And we'll see about pass rush. It's possible he could end up coming back next year and being a, a monster of a pass rusher, too. And, and then at that point, they've found a gem. But I think yeah. the potential is there. Because that's the thing. At Notre Dame, he just got caught behind guys, too. I mean, guys who have were like first day, you know, day one, day two picks in the NFL. Like there was yeah. so much talent at Notre Dame at that position. So I, I'm really curious to see what he looks like a year from now. I'll have a story on him coming in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. Um, Avery Williams. He gave you what you thought. I mean, you saw I, I you saw some of the flashes of what he could do as a returner. Mm-hmm. Uh he, yeah, I don't think you want him out there as a corner just yet. <laughs> but, you know, he's a guy, he's a great punt returner. He he showed some real real skills as a punt returner. Thought he had some really nice returns as a kick returner. Yeah. So that, that again, goes to the Cordero Patterson question from before of if you bring in Cordero Patterson back, do you only make him as a running back? Does Cordero fight that because he's one touchdown away from setting an NFL record? Like, a, a, And that, I know, means something to him. Mm-hmm. So you know, there, there are a whole bunch of questions there, but Avery Williams, to me, I thought uh, had had about the rookie year that I thought he would. You know, maybe it could a couple of those punt returns been a bit more explosive, sure, but some of that depends on on your cover, you know, your your jammers too. Yeah, yeah. Like if your jammer if your jammers miss stuff, then you're kind of in trouble. But I thought I thought he was fine. I didn't expect anything from him defensively as a rookie, so. Yeah, I mean, he gave he gave me exactly what I thought they would get from him. <laughs> Last name, I don't want to spend too much time on him. I know the fans wanted to see him all year. Frank Darby, wide receiver. All um, right, so Frank Darby talked the lot. I requested him last week because oh, I really? wanted to talk. Oh yeah, no, no I want I would, and honestly, I, I like really. I was waiting till they were out because mm-hmm. I I was kind of respectful of what other people needed. And if they were playing for something, I still would have requested him the last week of the year. And I, I was glad they waited till Friday because I would have gotten him if it was Wednesday or Thursday, which makes me think I was the only one who requested him. But I, I wanted to talk to him just to understand what that rookie year was like because I, I remember, I don't know if I was on your show or not in the preseason when I said, I don't know if this guy's going to make the roster. Yeah, yeah. And, I remember you and, saying that. You know, and he did make the team. And he eventually worked his way into special team snaps. The guy is all energy all the time. But no, he wasn't going to get any. He wasn't going to get much run as a receiver unless they had massive injuries. And he even said it. He's like, "I need to get better at everything." And and that's true. But yeah. he's a guy that's hugely important to them right now for this reason. Other than Calvin Ridley, he's the only guy that's guaranteed to be guaranteed to at least be in camp. Well, and maybe not because you could always cut him. But like as far as what's on the roster right now, in terms of guys who were on the 53-man this past year, he's the only guy, him and Calvin Ridley, and that's it. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, they, re- they signed Austin Trammell. I think they, had, they added another uh, guy on a futures deal. But, like, like he's going to have every opportunity to win some sort of role on this team next year. And, you know, I know fans kept asking me, why is Frank – well, who – like – Okay, let's. I'm just going to do this really quick, right? Frank Darby's not do, playing. Do it. When Ridley and Gage were, were, help, were both there, he's not playing over either one of those guys, and Mm-mm. Frank Darby's not a slot. So not get, where, where's he getting on the field? Ridley gets hurt, and Tajay Sharp is a reliable, you know what you're getting, decent run blocker guy. So he's going to be on the field. And Christian Blake's a good blocker. Like, I don't, I, I, I haven't seen enough of Frank Darby to know if he's a good blocker, but I don't get the sense that that's like his strong suit. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and I don't get the sense that even like he has a full route tree yet. Like, I, I think he's a very, a, a guy who was drafted again on potential, a guy who was not expected to do much at all this year. Right. Because the receiver core, remember at the beginning of the season, a lot of people thought that was, myself included, maybe the deepest in the one area they didn't have to worry. Like, I, you really thought that because they had Calvin, they had Gage, they had Zacchaeus, who I thought was going to have a much better year. They signed Tasha Sharp, and you're like, Tasha Sharp's a fine number four receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people thought, myself included, maybe Chris Rowland would have made this team. You know, like, there, there were 
there was depth there. And like Frank Darby just to me was like, all right, like he's a project. And, and to me, that's what he has been all year. And yeah, I, I, I know fans like him a lot. I do. And I understand why, like you talk to him and like, he's just energy. He's like full. And especially when you talk to a lot of these guys and they don't have that same level of energy and personality. And like, we're, he genuinely is excited to talk like every time, like it's, you know, I mean, he could have been bitter as hell to talk to us at the end of the year. Seriously. Sure. He didn't play all year, you know, and he was just like, no, like, yeah, let's do it, man. Like, you know, and that's great. I love it. I was, I mean, I even tweeted, I was like, Frank Darby's high energy remains like, you know, and they, they like that. And, but he had a lot to learn. He had a lot, he had some growing up to do and he had a lot to learn. So I'm not surprised they didn't play at all. Like not surprised that he did. Yeah. Again, also you had Kyle Pitts. So like, you know, I mean, and you saw that when Pitts went out, who goes in? He yeah. Darby goes in for like, and he gets one, you know, one ball throwing it to him. And, you know, I mean, listen, big off season for him. To me, for him, it's a yeah. make or break still being here off season. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though, he, because he's going to have all the opportunities, but if you think they're not going to upgrade that receiver core, like you're not paying attention. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And as you said, they have so few under contract they're It's going to get overhauled uh, at this right. point. And especially because there are questions about Calvin Ridley. Who knows what right. that's going to look like? I mean, it, it, to me, any to me with Calvin Ridley, any outcome other than them outright releasing him because of the, the to my understanding, what the fifth year option looks like now and under the new CBA, any any outcome could happen. Yeah, and that's the thing too is if you are Terry Fontenot, I think you have to plan for any outcome to happen, which means going and trying to get enough. If you don't know by March and you can't move and you, you, you're unable to, or choose not to move him, you have to go find a number one somewhere. So then all of a sudden, if Ridley comes back, that's like the biggest strength on your team. Right. Uh, And they're going to stack that one way or the other. Like, yeah. Like to think that, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm fascinated by what's going to happen in that situation because it's it's a situation that is not one that is typical to deal with. Like it's not oh, one God, that's no. easy. Like like Mike Davis or Dante felt where it's like okay, clear X or Y. It's you know men, uh, you know personal issues, mental health situation where you know they're giving guys the guys space. And I, and I give them a lot of credit for for being willing to say hey listen we're going to give you your space you're going to let you figure it out we're not going to talk about it publicly mm-hmm. and like to me I, I think i give the falcons some credit there with just kind of handling that and then you know and, and listen is that how fans run with you know what steve tweet yeah what steve said on, on dukes and bell well, yeah it is but if you listen to the whole interview or, and it was not long. It was like a minute, two minutes mm-hmm. of what he said. He even says, I'm just speculating, reading tea leaves, my guess. Exactly. He's not saying, I know this. I have someone telling me this. Just my guess. And from a guess standpoint, is that a possible outcome? Sure. But no one's talked. Yeah. No one. I mean, I can tell you because I can show you my phone and all the <laughs> non-response messages from his agent. Like, so they, I mean, they're not talking to me at least, but yeah, I, I think that there's a wide range of outcomes that can happen with Calvin Ridley and, and you just hope that he's okay. That, that to me yeah. has always been what I've said. I've said it multiple times when I've come on your show. That's yeah. what, that's to me the to priority one for the Falcons and for Calvin Ridley and then everything else you figure out. Yeah. Priority one and nothing else is close. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, hundred percent with you on that. Uh, and to your point, I feel like if there was news and someone was some, if someone talked anywhere, that stuff gets out. Um, the, the Adam Schefters of the world, the Ian Rappaport's they have, they have a bigger spy network than the CIA. I feel like, um, and those guys are getting all sorts of information. And I, I think it is admirable that we have heard nothing from the Falcons organization on it. Um, as you said, I think there, there's a legitimate respect to privacy, um, which is critical. And honestly, we, have, I, I we think, haven't heard, I mean, other than a weird Snapchat post, 
Right, which I think was blown out of proportion, but oh, of course it was because he could. I mean, he listen, he could have posted his statistics for a multitude of reasons, from mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, look, I was on pace to do X," to who the heck, who the heck knows? Yeah, I don't even want to speculate because, like, no. it just all that's <laughs> going to do is is someone's going to hear this and tweet it, and then it's then it's my then I, then it's my turn to get to get. To have to defend myself over and over again. No, I don't want that. I'm not bothered. (laughs) I don't want to put that on you. Um, All right. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting. Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hip Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. I want to touch on, you, you mentioned one of the names earlier, because I feel like uh, there's a billion topics to talk about uh, with the Falcons, it feels like. But there are two names that I want to get your thoughts on as we go into the offseason. Um, I'll save the most notable one for last, but you did mention Grady Jarrett, and I want to just retouch on that. Um, he's 29, or he will uh, 28 or 29. He's he's getting close to 30. His deal was always structured so that there would be another contract, another potential big contract for him after this one ran out, um, or when he got into you know the third year of the this four year contract that he ha- he got from the Falcons, and. It looks like right now I'm looking at over the cap and, you know, their numbers are probably relatively close. They're not perfect, but they're probably pretty close. His cap number is going to be just under 24 million next year. Yeah. Um, And there is only a handful of ways to alleviate that. Uh, You mentioned one of them is an extension, um, redo the contract, push some of that money out to future years. Um, The second way is to do another restructure where they take some of his base salary uh, convert it to a bonus. Uh, it seems like Fontenot does not want to keep going to that well because that's what got the Falcons into trouble in the first place uh, under right. Thomas Dimitrov. Uh, and the third option, which I think people don't want to talk about, but I think is a legitimate possibility. I'm not saying it's highly likely. I just think it's a possibility is that he may not be with the Falcons in 2022. Um, and yep. he's one of their best defenders. So do you see it the same way? And, and do you, do you lean towards one versus the other? No, I, I think that there are so many moving parts to so many of these things that no, I don't. Now, you know, the easiest solution would be Grady Jarrett going to his agent, Todd France, and say, telling him, hey, I want to be here. And, and the Falcons say, okay, we want to still have you here and, and, and locking up an extension. That would be, I think, the easiest on all parties if that's what they want. You can let him play it out and you can restructure it to an extent where it will probably be because next year is the final year of his deal. It will probably be oh, creating a voidable year. Yeah. And and you're just kicking cans down the road. Like you said, Terry Fontenot doesn't want to do that. Now, may he get put in that situation again? Yeah, probably. I mean, there, my guess is there'll be one or two restructures of some of these big contracts if they choose to keep these guys. I mean, guy, a guy like Jake Matthews, um, I don't think they'll restructure Dante Feller, but like, you know, uh, you, you maybe figure, look at what Deion Jones's contract looks like, Matt Ryan, obviously. So uh, you, you look at some of those and that's a possibility. For sure. But don't forget, they did not touch Grady's deal last year either. And I think yeah. that, that was purposeful. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So then there's a third option, which is, well, there's four options, really. You're not going to ask him to take a pay cut. So 
The other options are you let them play it out on this deal and you figure it out elsewhere. Well, that's, that's, that's a lot of money for an interior lineman, even as someone as good as Grady. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth option is if, if you get a, a sense that Grady does not want to be here or, or whatever it is, or Grady says, Hey, listen, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to depend how next year goes. Well, that's a much tougher contract to move at the trade deadline to a, because you're only going to trade him at that point to a contender more than likely because it's not like you can trade him somewhere else that he wants to go home and play or near where college because that's here. So then at that point, I think you have to at least investigate and, and see what you can get. And if you get bowled over by an offer, like if someone throws a couple, like a first and a third at you for Grady Jarrett, I mean, like, I think Grady Jarrett's a fantastic football player. But if you get the sense that Grady Jarrett's not going to want to be here long term, and again, I don't know whether he, whether he wants to be or not. He, whenever yeah. I've asked about contracts or, or future, he's, you know, batted the question away like he does double teams. Like, so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just the truth of it. Like, that's, that's what it is. I mean, much like we talked about with Calvin Ridley, and and that's the thing. They're not. I I can't see them cutting Grady Jarrett. Like, no. even though there's no guarantee. Listen, there's no guaranteed money there. You know, you you would you but you and you'd also have eight million, like seven point three million against the cap if you did, and even though you'd save sixteen and a half, but you're not going to. He's a great player. Yeah, like you're not going to do that. Like you know, there are enough ways to get around the cap situation otherwise. Mm-hmm. That you're not so yeah. I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, right now to me, there's two guys on this team that I would feel like I would be apt. There's there's probably a few more, but two as far as like the upper upper echelon players that I'm like, you'd have to. Uh, I can't I can't picture a scenario where they're not on this team mm-hmm. next year, and that is Kyle Pitts and AJ Terrell. I think everybody else at least has – and probably Chris Lindstrom. But, yeah. I mean, maybe you'd move a guard. Like, everybody else – I think but Chris Lindstrom's also on a rookie deal. On a rookie deal. He'll probably mm-hmm. pick up his fifth-year option. Like, so, everybody else, I think there's there's a question mark on it, without yeah. a doubt. Like, if the right offer comes in or the, or the right scenario happens, it happens. I, otherwise, I mean, they're not going to move on from Kyle Pitts. He's as close to untradeable to me as anybody out there. Yeah. You know, and, and to me, same thing with AJ Terrell, like just because of what AJ can do. But everybody else, I think there's is it's legitimately like I'm not saying it's going to happen. Absolutely not. I'm saying it's going to happen. I'm saying, could I see a scenario where it does? Sure. Yeah. Because there are so many moving pieces in play. That essentially answered the question for most of the other players. I figured you you, you use the blanket. I can see all of it. Um, so I want to finish with this. Um, you mentioned him. Uh, in my mind, I think he was the best uh, defender uh, of the season by a long shot. I think he was better than, than Grady and it's AJ Terrell. Yeah. Um, and I thought you were going to end with Matt Ryan, man. Like, but anyway, I, I, w- I, w- I, I feel like that's a bigger <laughs> conversation. Um, sure. I mean, we can have a nuts and bolts short part of it too, but, uh, but anyway, sorry, finish your deal. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Um, I feel like AJ Terrell was never going to make the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl yeah. is built almost exclusively off teams that are in the playoffs or close to the playoffs. Like to get acknowledged, you have to be a winning team. Mm, I mean, there's, ex- no, there's I, exceptions. I, I would say more, it's been usually at the core, especially at corner. If you were not on a, like you said, a very like high level or very high fan base team. Mm-hmm. Usually, that recognition comes the year after your breakout year. Yeah, and, like and so like Denzel AJ Terrell to me, what say it again? Kind of like Denzel Washington in the uh, the Best Actor Award. He actually right, yeah. got it. I mean, the but, movie after he should have gotten it. First. I mean, I hate always comparing stuff to Detroit, right? But like Darius Slay is a great example of that. Darius yes. Slay didn't make it in his breakout year, but then he's made it almost every year since. Mm-hmm. Except for a lot, I think he didn't make it last year. I don't remember if he did or not, but regardless, like he's made it almost every year since, but he didn't make it his breakout year because he didn't have a ton of interceptions. 
He didn't have a ton of pass deflections, both of which A.J. Terrell didn't have a ton of either. But you knew he was a top five or six corner in the league. Mm-hmm. And to me, A.J. is in that that realm now. Now we'll see if he makes any all-pro teams. You know, that, that, that was going to be that, my question. Yeah. That's, to me, the bigger honor than the yes. Pro Bowl. And a lot of players will say that as well, even though a lot of their incentives are maybe tied to Pro Bowls if they have it, incentives, versus all-pro. But all pro is voted on by media. Mm-hmm. It's a it, you know, there's two, and that's it in the entire league, and it's highly respected. Yeah. Pro Bowl is a little bit of fan vote, a little bit of coaches and players. And you know, I've seen some players take the Pro Bowl voting very seriously, some players do not. <laughs> <laughs> uh so you know, like that's that's part of it. So I, it would not. It, I I would be if AJ Terrell plays like he did this year, next year, I would be very surprised if AJ Terrell is not a pro. Yeah, but this year I understood. I understand why he wasn't, and you know, because listen, he was never in the top ten voting for fans, and you know, and he wasn't in the top ten voting for fans in the NFC at the end. And typically, if you're not in that, then you you're fighting an uphill battle, mm-hmm. especially if it's a position where, multi- where there's multiples. Where, because if it's a position where it's only one guy, like a fullback or a punter or a kicker, like, like a good example is Youngway, right? Like Youngway led yeah. the kicking fan voting, but he didn't get in to the Pro Bowl. And it's like because when you're only voting for one, and since each one has a third, if the players and the coaches are voting for somebody else, you're going if corners is much more difficult, I think. Oh, and, and positions where there's multiples. Yeah. Yep. Um, but he's fantastic and he's a foundational piece for them. And he's a guy that the Falcons are going to have to figure out how to pay. I can't see them oh, not yeah. paying. No, it, it, at a premier position, too. Yeah. Like, you, you pay a number one corner. Yeah. Period. He stays. He stays healthy. He's getting paid. He stays healthy and wants to stay here. And and there's no indication. I mean, again, that's that's a benefit. Uh, a lot of t- I think for the Falcons when they do end up drafting guys who are from Atlanta is that as long as like they, I guess like their families, you know, like mm-hmm. they 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 might want to stay. Now, yeah. not every player wants that, but like you might want to stay at least for a second contract, much like Grady Jerry did. So, you know, Grady Jarrett had a big title. And AJ Terrell's a similar situation where he's from here. He's clearly very – everything I've ever heard about him is he's incredibly family-oriented. So you might be in a good spot if you're the Falcons where you can get something done for AJ Terrell. But that's also something you don't have to worry about now. I mean, I Two guess – Two years? Te- well, I mean, I guess technically, technically they could offer him a, an extension this year. But, like, realistically, you're probably looking at it I, if I'm the Falcons, if he keeps playing as he is, I don't even bother with the fifth-year option. I just give him an extension after the fourth. You know, I give him an extension instead yeah. of doing the fifth-year option after next season if he yeah. has another another massive year. Because you just want you just want that done. You want that spot solidified. If you're, yeah. but that's me because he's young too. So, yeah, yeah, just twenty-four. Um, so let's get to the Matt Ryan conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I just got to be done by the time this is us is on, man. That's all. <laughs> you don't have a DVR, Mike? Come on, man. I do, um, but I, I, I do. But I, I mean, that would also mean we've been doing this for like two hours. So I, That's I, also I fair. Be, that's also fair. And, um, I, and I recorded my own show earlier with, if someone, if people are still listening to this, uh, I'll have Josh Kendall on my show on Thursday. So he and I go back and forth. He's the, uh, he covers the Hawkins for the Athletics. So we can go yeah. back and forth a little bit. Uh, on some of the stuff we've talked about here and then some other stuff as well. Um, so there's an early plug, but yeah. There so let's get into that. What, what do you want to know? All right. I mean, bottom line, 48 million, almost $49 million cap hit. It seems like the team wants him back. It's there's right now. They don't have a plan until we see what happens with the draft, but there's no plan on the roster for replacing him. Felipe Franks is not it. And it certainly looks like Josh Rosen is not the answer. Um, what happens with Matt Ryan in 2022? I mean, I think there's a bunch of different options potentially. Remember, you're not, here's the thing with Matt Ryan. They're not, even if they moved him, 
they would not move him till June. They couldn't move him till June 1st. Right. Because uh, like, unless you're completely punting on signing any, on, on anything next year, mm-hmm. you're not moving him till after June 1st when you can split the cap. So do I think Matt Ryan is here next year? I do. I see more avenues of that happening versus not, but you know what? Let's, for argument's sake, say they fall in love with Kenny Pickett. Just using that as an example. And he's sitting there at eight, and they're like, Kenny Pickett's, Pickett's our guy. And they say, okay, you know what? We, we, we feel so strongly about Kenny Pickett. We, we want to make him the day one starter. Then that's the scenario where I think you try and trade Matt if you can find a team that's willing to take him. But at that point, you're also you almost have to also make kind of a backroom deal if you're the Falcons, because you don't want someone like because there will only be so many teams that can afford him after June first, right? And 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 most of those teams are probably not going to be contending teams. And I can't see, I I mean I can't see a team like. I'm trying to think of a, a quarterback needy team that that's bad right now. Uh, and I, I don't know the Giants cap space, but we'll just say the Giants. Like say they're they're the new Denver. coach. Yeah. Maybe Denver is one. Right. Well, but Denver, but De- no, Denver is a little different to me because Denver actually would make sense to me. But I think they're going to solve that oh, quarterback oh. situation one way or the other before June first. Gotcha. But I'm saying, you know, a team that like you know, you're not in love with Daniel Jones. You maybe have the cap space, and I don't know if they have the cap space. I'm just using that as an example. Mm-hmm. But the giant, like, would the Giants want to take take on that situation with their situation? Because it's not like you're playing, you think you can win any t- in the next year or two. You're probably tearing it all down. Like, so are you trading for a guy who's by the time you get him is not like and paying him that type of money? Yeah. No, probably not. You know, so that, that it's. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting situation. Now, listen, is there a team? Maybe there ends up being a contending team that, you know, you, you, they figure somehow it gets worked out. Sure, like things can happen, but I don't know. I I would say at this point, I would be surprised if Matt Ryan's not here next year, but it's not. That's just me guessing and that's me reading tea leaves and, and understanding situations. You know, I, I mean, it's very clear Matt Ryan wants to be here. Mm-hmm. Because if like if Matt Ryan pulled a stat pulled like what Matthew Stafford did, which Stafford wasn't wrong in doing so, but if, if Matt Ryan Not had it. done that, right? Like Matt Matthew Stafford never once, to my recollection, came out and was as forceful as saying, "I want to be here." This I I think I will be here. Like last year, Matthew Stafford was always like, "Oh, you know, we'll address my future at the end of the season." You know, I, I love it here, but like we'll address my future at the it was always that. It was never, I will be. I mean, and, and Matt Ryan was like, I, I plan on being here. This is where I plan on being. So be, I don't see him going that route. Mm-hmm. And, and he sounded optimistic about what they have. Like, you know, it, it's also not a regime change. So he knows the he knows the situation. And Matt Ryan's a smart guy. If he wanted out, he would not say those things. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd be like, oh, I got to talk to Arthur and Terry and, and we got to kind of sit down. No, he wants to be here. And, and so I, I think it, I just think it's a tough contract to move. I think it's a tough thing to do now. You yeah. know, can you do things to maybe make it more palatable? But yeah, I mean, but at that point, it probably involves an extension. And even then, like you're, you're not you're You have to feel so confident about the quarterback position to move on from Matt Ryan, because, you know, the Falcons have been very fortunate in that they basically went from Michael Vick to Matt Ryan. Yeah. They, they did. I mean, they had the one year of like weird, you know, <laughs> but I know, but, but fine. I mean, look at the other places that have had more than one quarterback over that span of time. So we're talking about 20 years, more or less with that level of quarterback success, maybe not always team success, but quarterback success. Yeah. Like, like seriously, Think about the te- the teams that those are mm-hmm. that have had more than one quarterback because you had New England with one, Pittsburgh with one, yeah, with Roethlisberger, and, and really the Giants with one. You can say, I mean, even though Eli's been out for a couple of years, right? 
So what are those teams? Those teams are <coughs> Indianapolis. And then Andrew Luck retired. Otherwise, they'd be in the midst of that, right? And Green Bay. Yeah. And you can maybe say Dallas. Other than that, it was Drew Brees, one guy. Phillip Rivers, one guy. Russell Wilson. I mean, look at Russell before Russell Wilson. I mean, I guess you have Matt Hasselbeck there, and that's not terrible, but you did have a couple of years. But like what I'm saying is like having that sustained success at quarterback is hard. Yeah. Rare. Like, but Very Detroit rare. before Matthew Stafford, it was a nightmare. In Cincinnati yeah. before Joe Burrow, I mean, you had Andy Dalton and you had and Dalton was fine, but like not, you know, he, he was never gonna, you know, win a whole bunch for you potentially. Cleveland was a mess. The Jets, a mess. The Bears, yeah. Their quarterback situation has been a disaster for decades. Like Dolphins. You, yeah, the Dolphins. Uh, the Panthers pre and post Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's the situation. That's why when I laugh, I laugh a little bit when people want to try, say, oh, got to move on from Matt Ryan. Got to move on. Like, <laughs> unless you know. And, like, that's why it would, if they draft a quarterback this year, and like, it's like say, let's just for argument's sake, we'll go back to the like Kenny Pickett thing. Say they draft Kenny Pickett. I wouldn't even move on from Matt Ryan then because I'd yeah. want to know what I have in Kenny Pickett before I make that decision. Because all we see from rookie quarterbacks is, you know, for every Joe Burrow and for every uh, Mac Jones, although, I mean, listen, the way they're using Mac Jones is very much like control, 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 heavy run game. Which kind of I think Arthur Smith would love to do if they had the running backs and the offensive line, uh, you know. And if if all that was built, then it makes more sense for a rookie quarterback. But I mean, you 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 move on from Matt Ryan into a rookie for next year. Go look at Trevor Lawrence. Go look yeah. at Zach Wilson. Go look at Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Like that, in truth, is probably closer to what you're going to get production wise. And realistically, listen, I think two of those guys have a shot to be really good. But I don't think all three will, will pan out, but two of them have a shot to be really good. And you don't know, though. You don't know. Yeah. Like, if Jacksonville doesn't get better, who knows what Trevor Lawrence is going to look like in two years. I mean, look the year before. Tua. I mean, the, the Lions fans wanted to move on from Stafford to draft Tua. Well, guess what that would have done? Oh, God. Right? I mean – no, I, I like it, it would have. I mean, and Justin Herbert ended up being the better pick, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and by the way, when we're talking about more than one quarterback that might end up, Justin Herbert might fill in for Phillip Rivers, and and that could be that there. But like the other thing, who was talking about Justin Herbert being the better quarterback over Tua that year? No, no one. Exactly. So yeah. you just don't know. Evaluating quarterbacks is very, very hard. Mm-hmm. So. To me, if I am the Falcons, if I take a quarterback, I still want to have Matt Ryan this year because then you can make that transition. Like Matt Ryan has largely shown, and maybe it's because he hasn't felt threatened, but I've never, I mean, Matt Ryan seems like he's a pretty decent dude. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think if they, that if they drafted a Kenny Pickett, he would like freeze Kenny Pickett out. No, you I don't know? see that. I mean, I, I'm just using, I keep saying Kenny Pickett, right? It could be Matt Carroll. Whoever, sure, like, sure. What, if they draft a quarterback, <clears> you can't see him doing that because he's also a realist of the situation also. And frankly, if the Falcons aren't winning, he probably wouldn't want to come back for another contract because at that point, you you want to find your last couple of years somewhere. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. And they could even avoid quarterback altogether in this draft. It's not a great quarterback draft. And if you do that, you build everything else. So then that situation that we talked about, say you really build up the offensive line, you find a run game, you find some receivers, then maybe you draft a quarterback in 23 and put them in that system and make it work. Like, yeah. you know, there, there's just, there are just options. Yeah. And that's kind of, yeah, that's my piece on that, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are getting close to the start of um the the TV show. <laughs> this is us. You don't want to say it. Come on, man. I, I, Why, hey, it's sorry. a great show. It's Makes a, me cry. This is like a football podcast, Michael. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I've never watched it, so that's why um, I, I can't say. Uh, 
Thank you again, David. It's a tearjerker. Look, I've got kids like they can talk about Dexter if you wanted to. Maria Martin and I are are very much on the Dexter new blood train. Uh, (laughs) That was a great that was that's a great show. Anyway, uh, so yeah, yeah, (laughs) I'll just plug myself because that's where you were clearly going. Um, That's where I was going. But I was going to thank you first for coming back. Thank you for having me. As always, (laughs) it's a blast. I thought we were more serious in football talk this time, by the way, uh, than we have been in other podcasts. Uh, we oh, no. need Gina back so that way we can really go off the rails. Uh, but you can, yes, obviously, 100%. my podcast from the perch, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You can read all my stuff at ESPN.com. You can interact with me on Twitter, or on Instagram, Mike Rothstein, on Facebook, at Michael Rothstein Journalist. And that is, uh, those are all of my spots, I think. Awesome. All right. As for me, guys, normal deal. You can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates from podcasts at Falcoholic Pod. And of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Michael Disruptive but Great Rothstein, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk to you next time. Every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.